on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we would have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield, takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Hey, we're going to be there later this week on Thursday, broadcasting from the Palatial Galaxy Media Headquarters in downtown Utica on NFL Draft Day. Looking forward to that. Glad you're listening today as well. If you're listening on the ESPN app, this is is the day. See, I have been telling you all along that we have this app and you download the ESPN app and there's a listen tab and that means you can listen to us wherever you go. And for the last month, you're like, well, where am I going to go? It's 35 degrees and snowing still. Today is the day for crying out loud. Get outside now before the sun goes away and take us with you. Go somewhere in the outdoors and get some vitamin D and you can take us with you on the ESPN app. That is a great way to listen to us. What a gorgeous, gorgeous day. Took some time to stroll around downtown today. Everybody's happy taking in the sunshine. Of course, it's going to rain the next few days, but hey, we'll take it, man. We will take it after one of the worst Aprils ever. Here's how you get in touch with the program today. 437-7644. That's the phone number. You can hit me on Twitter, Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media. The On the Block text line, is 2880644. Twitter and text are great ways to get in touch today. We have a very busy show guest-wise today as we get ready. It is time. Now, there are other things going on in the sports world and in the world in general that we will certainly discuss, but it's one of those things like the rest of those things are kind of like Charlie's Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. But what is on my mind is the National Football League draft. Starts Thursday, as you know. We're finally here. And the Bills, Giants, and Jets are all central in this draft. Not only by the intrigue of who they're going to draft, but in particular the Buffalo Bills. Trying to make a trade higher than where they sit now. And they've already made a trade, moving into the 12th spot. So they hold 12 and 22, and they want to get higher. Will the Giants trade it too, or will they take Saquon Barkley or Bradley Chubb? Are they going to go quarterback, particularly if Sam Darnold falls in their lap? The Jets seem to be locked in on Baker Mayfield, but you just don't know till draft night comes. So we have you covered today. We have three guests today that all do a spectacular job covering those three teams. 
Daryl Slater will join us this hour from NJ.com. He is the New York Jets beat reporter. Our good friend Matthew Fairburn, one hour from now, Syracuse.com, NYUP.com, on the Buffalo Bills. More appropriately, there. There. Buffalo Bills. And Ryan Dunleavy, next hour as well. He writes for NJ.com on the New York football giants. So we have you covered here to kick off draft week in a big way. We're going to have guests throughout the week. Our good friend Jason Horowitz, who is hosting the NFL draft on Westwood One. Ty Dunn from Bleacher Report, one of the better football writers out there, Syracuse grad, will join us on tomorrow's show. We're lining up some other things as the week goes along. We'll check in with our good buddy Sal Capaccio from Buffalo. I mean, we're bringing them all in, man. You just bring in all the football guests this week. So no matter what is out there to be discussed, certainly what is on my mind and is on your mind mostly, the National Football League draft. So we'll have you covered there. We'll go on the blind side as usual. We'll go on hot takes as usual. <laughs> you heard this Derek Jeter interview that's going to be on Real Sports with Bryant Gumble. My man Bryant Gumble going in there and exposing Derek Jeter for the fraud he is going to be, it appears, as a guy trying to run a baseball team. So we will get into that. So much to do, so little time, so let's dive in. Now, the NFL draft, as we mentioned, is squarely on our minds here. I think we're going to see a flurry of trades in this draft. We've seen a lot of trades in recent years, some before the draft, with the Los Angeles Rams to ensure getting Jared Goff. The Philadelphia Eagles moved up in a recent draft to get Carson Wentz. And you notice a theme here. You do not trade away picks and move up in a draft to select an offensive tackle or a running back or a wide receiver or a defensive tackle. It is rare that you make a move into the top five unless you are targeting a quarterback. And this is a fascinating draft because nobody can really come to a consensus that there is a franchise Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning type quarterback. But there's a lot of really good quarterbacks that could really help a team that needs it. If it's Sam Darnold at USC, since pretty much the moment he took the field at USC has been anointed the potential number one pick. Josh Rosen from UCLA, who's been in that conversation. Baker Mayfield, uber-successful college quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, gets his team to the college football playoff. All the wins, all the numbers. Is he too small? Is there an attitude there? No matter what, he's going to get picked. Lamar Jackson, one of the big questions in this draft. You know, one guy. Bill Polian says that he should switch to wide receiver, and the whole world freaks out and says there's this narrative about Lamar Jackson where NFL people, personnel people, love Lamar Jackson. They love the fact that the media people are out there saying these things and creating this narrative, so meanwhile they can sneak in there and take him. The New England Patriots had a workout recently with Lamar Jackson that kind of slipped under the radar until recently when Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network reported it today. Quite often, the narrative that's out there is much different than the narrative that is in the rooms, the rooms that count. But the reason the draft is so fascinating is every year, despite the year-round scouting, the film review, the interviews, the poking and prodding and measuring that goes on at the com- at the combine, the overthinking, frankly, that goes into it, the further away we get from film and little things, well, he's a distraction, well, he, does he love football enough and all these stupid things that come up, it's a matter of what kind of player you are, what kind of system you go to, and 
what teams surround you. A lot of what makes a successful player, and in this case quarterbacks, because there's so much intrigue about the quarterbacks at the top of the draft, has nothing to do with you. It has to do with your surrounding cast, your offensive lineman. Do you have a competent, not only head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback coach? What you will not hear, well, you'll hear it on this show, but what you will not hear on other shows this week as we discuss this, and I'm going to ask every one of our guests this question today. Who's the quarterback coach? Who's the guy behind the scenes that nobody talks about but will be instrumental in developing these players? Because the Giants have new management. The Jets do not have new management, but Todd Bowles is getting a second chance here because Christian Hackenberg and Bryce Petty and crew ain't cutting it. So they've got to pick a quarterback here to save him the opportunity to run that team. Obviously the Bills in year two of Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, but this, remember, is Brandon Bean's first draft. It was kind of weird last year as McDermott came in and everybody knew Doug Whaley was on the way out and McDermott and, by extension, Bean kind of ran that draft, but this is the first time that Brandon Bean will run a draft for the Buffalo Bills. And happens to have somebody sitting there with the second pick overall that he worked with for years at the Carolina Panthers. Not that that will provide him a discount, but it will provide him somebody that he knows and trusts and can contact. You know, a week from uh, a week ago Monday, a week ago today, I was in Orchard Park. And I went up there and I shot a bunch of NFL draft videos, which I hope you'll watch on Syracuse.com and NYUp.com. It's myself and Matthew Fairburn who will join us later covering all grounds, trade possibilities, mock draft, Bills team needs. We went over all the quarterbacks. Went up there and we banged out about five NFL draft videos that you can watch this week. And I sat there and I listened to Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott at their press conference. And look, they don't tell you anything at these press conferences. But one thing that Brandon Bean did say that I took a lot from is to make trades, to make moves on draft day. You've got to know people. You've got to be able to make that phone call and have a trust. I mean, you don't have to know the general manager of the Cleveland Browns get on the phone with them and offer them everything you have in your cupboard. You don't have to be pals for that deal to go down. But there's a certain trust level there. Why certain teams deal with each other and, you know, you know your intentions are good. Dave Gettleman's not going to screw over Brandon Bean and vice versa. But they also have to report to their owners and not give each other the friendly discount. For all this discussion and all this analysis and everything, there are always busts and booms and players that go in the fourth round that are just as good as first round picks. But why do we know the story of Joe Montana? Why do we know the story of Tom Brady? You know what pick they went, what round they went. Joe Montana, third round pick. Tom Brady, sixth round pick. Those are the two greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. But most of them go in the first round, right? Jim Kelly, Dan Marino, go down the list. Or maybe the second round. The reason you know those stories are they're rare. You've got to take a shot at the top of the list as opposed to trying to find the rare diamond in the rough. So Daryl Slater, Ryan Dunleavy, NJ.com, Matthew Fairburn, our buddy from Syracuse.com, NYUp.com, will have you covered on the Bills, Giants, and Jets today. A couple other things I wanted to note here before we slide into a break and begin that NFL draft talk. 
The Syracuse Crunch are off to a 2-0 series lead over the Rochester Americans. They scored 12 goals in two games, Saturday night's game in particular. The more interesting one because they blew out Rochester in game one. 6-5 win on Saturday. That was one of the most bananas playoff hockey games you will see in that building in the 24-year history. And I was at the War Memorial Friday, as you know, we were discussing how crazy the Syracuse-Rochester series was in 2004 and how this would be hard to live up to, and it's a five-game series this time around, so it's not going to live up to that seven-game series from the first time around. But that game was as crazy as it gets. The Crunch had a 4-1, a 5-3, and a 6-4 lead, all blown at one point. And it didn't feel safe. He did not ensure victory until Eddie Pasquale made a save as time expired. Speaking of which... That's how the Syracuse lacrosse team lost to Navy. Syracuse lacrosse does two things. They either, let me correct that, they either do three things. They win at the buzzer, they lose at the buzzer, or they get blown out. There's no in-between with this team. And the fact that Joe Varello, Danny Varello's brother, beats him on the faceoff and goes down and scores the winning goal over Syracuse to give Navy a 13-12 win with seconds remaining on the clock is incredible. So now the Syracuse lacrosse team has to take care of business where it has all year and has since it began play in this league. Syracuse is 4-0 against the ACC this year. They are 3-5 against everybody else. So they need to win the ACC tournament to ensure a seed that they like in order to get a home game in the NCAA tournament. Last time Syracuse did not have a home game in the NCAA tournament, which, believe it or not, is right around the corner, kids, was 2012. Meanwhile, our friends in Utica got welcome news today if he can play. Reed Boucher was sent down from Vancouver to Utica, and the Comets are down 0-2 to the Toronto Marlies, and there's no shame in that because the Toronto Marlies were an amazing team this year that are favored to win the Calder Cup. That's who Syracuse likely will face in the next round if Patterns hold here. Reed Boucher, remember, was up for Vancouver for a lot of the second half of the season, but you know had a broken bone in his hand down the stretch. So if he can play, he will certainly provide a big boost to the Comets as they try and get back in at their home Wednesday night. The Crunch will shift over and play in Rochester Wednesday night. So you go up and down the thruway, you know, except in Buffalo, and there's playoff hockey everywhere. That's a beautiful thing. We'll get into that a little bit more as we cruise along here. We're going to take a break right now, though, and bring you the NFL Draft Blitz here. Starting with Daryl Slater, NJ.com. He covers the Jets. We got the Bills covered at 5.05 with Matthew Fairburn. And Ryan Dunleavy from NJ.com next hour on the New York Football Giants. Lots of NFL Draft talk today and through the week, and ain't it a beautiful thing. Stay there. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. See, this is a great day. The sun is shining at 68 degrees. Roll down the windows and blast this song. Ready? Hey, hey, you, you, get into my car. Yes, you, get into my car. Yeah, now you're rocking. So I'm sorry to disappoint you and now start, you know, talking sports, but... That kind of day, man. No matter what song comes on the radio, it's the greatest song ever. Because you got the windows down. Finally! Down 
I'm doing my white guy dance for those of you watching on Facebook Live. Yeah, baby. Finally, some sun shining in central New York, and the sun's going to be shining all week no matter what because it's NFL Draft Week. We will continue that discussion with Matthew Fairburn, top of the hour, and Ryan Dunleavy next hour on the Bills and the Giants. Right now, hit me with that fancy open. It's hot take time on a sunny day. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for hot takes on the block. So I think we can agree that Derek Jeter's legacy with the New York Yankees, the New York Yankees, Jerry, is, is set forever. No matter what, Derek Jeter will be a god in New York, as it well should be. The championships he won, the leadership he provided. The last hit that he had there, the legacy, I mean, it is set in stone. But Derek Jeter's legacy as an executive is not going so well with the Miami Marlins. The fire sale that they're having, the facade they're putting on, they're actually trying to compete. And these are just teaser clips here. Maybe the interview itself gets a little more contentious, but there's a teaser clip that's out there. So I do not get HBO anymore, but thanks to the beauty of YouTube and Twitter and everything, I'm able to patch together the show kind of frame by frame when it comes out. And it's one of the best shows on television, in my opinion, not just sports shows, not just journalism shows. One of the best shows. Real Sports with Brian Gumble. every month just brings you stories that make you say, wow, or interviews like this that you don't see or hear anywhere else. This is just a clip of it. This is Brian Gumble with Derek Jeter. Let's take a listen. Tanking. What is not tanking? Tanking is not trying your hardest to win ball games every day. We're trying to win ball games every day. If you trade your best players in exchange for prospects, um, it's unlikely you're going to win more games in the immediate future. When you take the field, you have an opportunity to win each and every day. Each and every day. You never tell your team that they're expected to lose. Never. Not, now, so you can think. Now, now, I can't tell you how you think. Like, I see your mind. I see That's how you think. I don't think like that. That's your mind no, working like that. No, I get like that, that, but I, I guess not in so many ways. But words. you don't. But you don't get it. I do. You don't. We have two different minds. I can't wait to get you on the golf course, man. We got. I, I mean, I can't wait for this one. No, I mean. You're mentally weak. Uh, no, I, I just, I'm, I'm realistic. You really expect this team I expect this team to compete. To compete. To compete. To compete. Compete is one Every thing. Sing- but listen, one listen, thing. Right, see, Watch my lips. Not I, I see your. I, I see your lips. I see. I've been seeing them this whole interview. I see your lips moving constantly. You never tell your players that you are expected to lose. You don't do that. You should take that as a slap in the face. As a player, you should take that as a slap. In so the that's Jeter and Gumbel, and you could tell there's a relationship there. I can't wait to get you on the golf course. They're breaking each other's chops a little bit, so Gumbel can come at him and be honest a little bit there. But Jeter, through this interview, through the means in which he's going through it, nobody is fooled by what they're doing in Miami again. And that is stripping it down to the bare bones to get some money back, especially on the investment of that team. But do not, you know, look a camera, Brian Gumbel, or anybody in the face and say you're legitimately trying to compete with a payroll of, what, $45 million. There are several individuals in baseball that almost or do currently make more than the entire Miami Marlins payroll. For Jeter 
to use the same old speech that you give a little league team. Well, we're trying to win every day we take the field. Yeah, bull crap you are. We know what you're doing. We've seen it before. And by the way, it has worked in certain places. Look at the Philadelphia 76ers right now. They had to strip that thing down and tank, trust the process and all that, to get Joel Embiid, to get Ben Simmons, to get Markel Fultz, to get those players to contend. To contend. Okay, Fans almost want you to tank. It's either you're a contender or you're tanking to try and contend. If you're just kind of middle of the road winning 80 games a year but not making the playoffs, nobody wants that, right? Almost as good as that was the dramatic reading of that as heard on the Dan Levitard show earlier today here on ESPN Radio. No, I get that. But I guess not in so many words. But you don't. You don't I get do. it. <laughs> you don't. We have two different minds. I can't wait to get you on the golf course, man. I mean, I cannot wait for this one. No, I mean. You're mentally weak. No, I just am. <laughs> I am realistic. I, you really expect this team? I expect this team to, as presently configured, to contend. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. I heard that during the break, too. It was funnier the second time. That's hot. Those wacky guys on the Dan Levitard show. Good stuff. So, what's happening in the association? Here is uh, Brian Windhorst, ESPN, on those Cleveland Cavaliers who... Are they are, are they going to lose to the Pacers? Like, is this going to happen? You're looking at a team that just, quite frankly, isn't as good as other teams he's been on. And we're seeing that slimmer margin for error take place in this series. They can't survive when uh, you know an, an opposite opposing player has a great game like uh, Boyan Bogdanovich had on Friday night. They can't survive uh, you know their own role players struggling. He just doesn't have the same firepower on his side. It's Brian Windhorst from ESPN. See, that's just it. Now that series is tied at two apiece. Latest win by the Cavs. A four-point win over the Pacers, but they are getting all they can handle from the Pacers. That is just the word. They are surviving games. And they're surviving because LeBron James every night has to do what he did in game four, 32, 13, and 7. He essentially, the conversation has to start with LeBron having a triple-double if Cleveland is going to survive. Can they do that all the way to the finals? So now we've got a choice here. You can still believe that we are on a path that somehow Cleveland and Golden State are going to meet in the finals, which has just seemed inevitable the past few seasons. Or you can recognize that Golden State's not playing their best, and I know they don't have Steph right now, but even when Steph comes back, what kind of magic fire will that light? To imagine Cleveland, even in a weakened Eastern Conference, to get to the finals this way, it's not impossible because it's LeBron. But it's getting harder to fathom that. So you either believe we're on that collision course or we could have like Pelicans Sixers or an NBA Finals that a lot of people, let alone before the season, before the playoffs began, did not see coming. So this will test a very popular theory with people because there are those that say, "Ah, I'm sick of LeBron and I'm sick of the same old story. I want fresh faces. I want new stories, which can work doesn't always work and I think it will work this year because I think Cavs Warriors we've kind of been there and done that and almost seen everything we can out of that series but that whole parody thing and a, a new blood and new teams 
That doesn't always work. Here's why I think it will work this year. If the Sixers get there, I'm sorry. That team is fun to watch. You, you're watching something blossom before your very eyes. Trust the process and all that. And I think a reason that fans are really embracing that team is because if you're a fan of a team, and it doesn't, you don't even have to be an NBA fan. That's hot. If you are a fan of a team that is in that position, you're like, well, it worked for them. It can work for my team. We can tank, we can suck for a few years, and we can put up with it if it means getting the results the Sixers did. See, I, there's a lot of fans that feel this way about the NFL draft this week, even teams that made the playoffs, like, say, the Buffalo Bills. Come out of this draft with a home run, and you're a contender. Move up, trade everything, get Carson Wentz. Now, he didn't win the Eagles the Super Bowl, right? But the thought of being aggressive to build the team by being aggressive to build a Super Bowl contender. The Rams gave up everything. They get Jared Goff. They've gone all in in this offseason, and that team will be expected to get to the Super Bowl this year. Fans want that feeling. And I think by watching the Sixers this year, they're like, we can do it too. If they can tank and they can be awful for that long and build through the draft, then by golly, so can we. So there are two NBA playoff games tonight. This is just such a great time of the year. Every night, playoffs on. Playoffs? Rockets, Timberwolves. Rockets lead that one two games to one. I think the Wolves kind of got their token win last time around. Thunder and Jazz tonight. Utah leads that series two games to one. I'm as curious as anybody to see um, if the ghost of Carmelo Anthony is going to come through for this Thunder team. And if they're going to even this thing and make it a series, or if the Jazz are going to continue to roll. By the way, I saw a lot of Twitter comments about this over the weekend. I loved the alternate jerseys and the alternate arena that Utah had. I thought it was fantastic. That doesn't always work, but I was digging it. If you didn't see it, uh, check it out over the weekend. Meanwhile, over in the National Hockey League... I was rooting for the Flyers yesterday, partially because I want to see a Game 7 and partially because, well, you know, screw the Penguins, right? Uh, That didn't work out, though. The Penguins scored, I think, approximately, you might want to check my math on this, 116 goals in this series. Every game was like this, 8-5, 7-4, I mean, every, and even the Flyers put up a huge win in that series. The other, uh... One was the Preds move on. They eliminate the Avalanche with a 5 nothing win, clinching that series. Uh, I've picked the Preds to win the Cup, and uh, nothing I've seen so far has deterred that. Tonight we get Bruins, Maple Leafs, and Caps, Blue Jackets. Capitals lead that series three games to two, so can the Blue Jackets at home force a Game 7? The Bruins lead the Leafs three games to two in that game is in Toronto. So I, as always, I root for Game 7s, so I'll be rooting for the Maple Leafs and the Blue Jackets tonight. Because every time we get a Game 7, particularly in the NHL playoffs, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing, kids. That's hot. 437-7644 is the phone number if you want to jump in. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. As noted, we are going to have Two guests to discuss the NFL draft with us next hour. Matthew Fairburn at the top of the hour from Syracuse.com, NYUp.com on your Buffalo Bills. I have a trade prediction. 
And this is not just me throwing darts at the wall. This comes with a little homework, comes with a little scouting on my part, comes with a little, I wouldn't call it inside info, but I would call it enough, I would call it confident enough to say this on the radio that I think it's going to happen. Okay? Do you want me to tell you what it is? You want to, oh, you want to know? Oh, you want to know. Well, listen, I said it on Friday, and I feel even more confident about it now, and I'm going to ask Fairburn about it coming up. The Buffalo Bills are going to trade with the Denver Broncos at 5. They are going to offer Denver 12-22 and two other picks. Now, I'm not sure what those other two picks are going to come down to. That's all with negotiation. That's all John Elway's on the phone. What do you want? If I had to, and this is just my speculation, if I had to guess, it would be 12-22, a second rounder this year, and a second rounder next year. The Bills are not giving up three first-round picks to go to five. You give up three first-round picks if you go to two with the Giants, or obviously if you're taking the top pick. To get five from the Broncos, that's this year's haul, 12-22, and and two other picks. That's the move they're going to make. Will they offer other deals? You bet they will. The deal that will get taken, the deal that will be made, Bills, Denver, and I'm hoping Josh Rosen is still there because I don't think you make that trade for Josh Allen. I would make that trade for Baker Mayfield. I would arguably even make that trade for Lamar Jackson. That's a lot to give up for Lamar Jackson because he's kind of a project and he's kind of skinny and he's hard to catch, he's hard to tackle, but I wouldn't want him out there right away, which is why you brought A.J. McCarron into the field, right? But... If I had to make a prediction, and it's Monday and a lot can happen between now and Thursday night, five is where they go. Now, will the Giants trade? What will it take for Dave Gettleman to move from two? Matthew Fairbird on the Bills, Ryan Dunleavy on the Giants, next hour. On the beat. will tell us we'll go on the blind side and so much more. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.